And this is the same thing that piece of shit John Jones said too when he was found like drinking and driving in the middle of a global pandemic. Oh, I had to get out. I was going stir crazy. That's not an excuse. First of all, you weren't. Second of all, no one gives a shit anyway. Fucking sit in your house and help <laughs> solve a global pandemic and shut the fuck up. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. You know, as I looked at the um, the computer today for topics to talk about with Chris today on this edition and all of our editions uh, of scheduled editions for Unscripted this week, it all just kind of, and I know I use this a lot and I know that we've, Chris has used this as a title for one of our episodes. And I think we could probably, I think we probably need to make Chris do it this title and then part one, part two, part three, part 29, part 30, part 31, when I say the cavalcade of crap. There's not a lot going on right now in the wonderful and wacky world of sports. And sometimes it amazes me that Chris and I are able to Scooby-Doo along and we have most of the time, except for the since mid-March, we haven't had a full docket, obviously, of sports to talk about, active sports to talk about. And I got to be quite honest with you, it's getting very depressing to talk about when these leagues are, are going to come back and, and players having concerns and this having concerns. And I truly believe, as I, as, I, as I told Chris this morning, as we say hi and welcome you to this 519th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here. But as I continue to babble on here, I said to Chris in a quick conversation this morning, um, what did I say? Now I forgot. Um, something to the effect that there just isn't a lot to talk about. And like Chris had mentioned, just as we, before we came on air today, we can amalgamate, if you will, all of this stuff into one episode because it's all basically the same stuff. And it's all kind of depressing. And I remember very vividly in episode 488, that was the day that the XFL decided to pull the plug. And it was quite an episode because we, Chris and I got talking about marriage and we got talking about that day about the loss of the XFL. And, and uh, uh, you know, but I vividly remember about basically bitch slapping with my voice the cities of New York and Toronto in regard to the them seemingly not playing along as we continue to try to figure out this COVID-19 pandemic but my god people especially you south of the U.S. Canadian border in the lower 48 as they like to call themselves when the hell are some of you people going to wake the fuck up and realize that Without the due diligence that we seemingly are showing in Canada, when are you people going to wake up and start listening to somebody? I don't know who. I mean, I I know you're not getting any leadership from above. I get that. And I'm not going to talk about that because if my mother, God forbid, listens to this this, uh, episode, she'll call me and yell at me because she believes she is one of the disciples of Donald. Um, which I really feel bad for an intelligent woman like my mother is. I thought she was anyway. But my God, I did get a kick, I've got to say, before I get Chris involved here. I did I did really enjoy Saturday night with his uh, campaign rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
19,000-seat arena in downtown Tulsa, supposedly a million people asked for tickets to this thing, and 6,200 people show up. Uh, I know Joe Biden isn't the answer. I get it. I watched some guy last night who was one of the last remaining Trump um, cabinet members who's trying to write a book. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, this guy is in, is in trouble. This guy will never get a face-to-face with Donald Trump again. I watched his interview last night on ABC, but it's just amazing, guys. Come on. Jesus Christ. The numbers continually going up in places like Arizona, Texas, Florida. Um, NBA players are worried about starting the season in Orlando. We had our first guy today in the NBA declare he will sit out whenever the NBA decides to start up in July. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. It's Washington Wizards forward Davis Bertans. He becomes the first NBA player to voluntarily sit out when the NBA resumes their season in the Orlando bubble. Supposedly, he's doing it because he wants to preserve himself. He's got a contract extension. He's looking for a contract extension at the end of the season. He's already had two blown ACLs, so he is not going to play when and if the NBA decides to restart. They've got a tentative start date, end of July. July 31st, I believe, is the date right off the top of my head. But right now, if you listen to rocket scientists like my buddy, Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets, a snowball's got a better chance in Phoenix of surviving right now that that the NBA is going to get started on July the 31st. And I've said this all along. I truly believe that the only league that I have any confidence in that's going to start is the National Hockey League. And we'll start there. National Hockey League has uh, stated that they are down, their hub city cut list is down to six, with three Canadian cities still in the mix. Edmonton, Vancouver, and Toronto are the three Canadian cities. I truly hope, as well as I believe that uh, Mr. Bettman and Mr. Daly have navigated through this coronavirus bullshit, I want to believe that those guys are smart enough, and we've talked about it on this program enough to put it under the category of ad nauseum, but I truly believe that the National Hockey League needs to have their two hub cities north of the 49th parallel. It's the only chance that they have. It's the only chance that they have. Right now, there is too great a risk. As I sit here and go into the United States at the end of July, I'm scared shitless of that right now, but I've got to go. I've got to go say goodbye to my dad. But I truly believe that the National Hockey League has to have the 24-team tournament be housed in the country of Canada because the numbers are subsiding here, folks. We're down to about 40 active cases in Alberta. So Edmonton is is obviously got to be one of them. Vancouver, according to TSN's Pierre Lebrun, believes Vancouver is picking up steam to be one of the hub cities. Okay, here we go. If you don't want the Edmonton Oilers in Edmonton, put Edmonton in Vancouver. So make the west in Vancouver, the east in Edmonton, and let's get it going. But I just don't see how um, these leagues can get started right now in the continental United States. I just don't see how. As I welcome in the the boss, as I welcome in the executive producer of Unscripted, and I think you can tell from the tone of my voice that this is frustrating beyond belief. It's unbelievable that people can't understand. I mean, how difficult for some people is to look on your damn phone and look at the headlines every day, 
especially down in the United States, about how this is not going away. This is not over. We got a little, I think, obviously, the governors of Arizona and Florida um, probably got caught up in the moment a little bit, listening to their leader in, at, 1600 Wash, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C., about reopening their states. But obviously, they did it a little bit too early. And now, who knows what's going to happen? But I really believe, going back to what I've said here, and I want Chris to echo this because I think he's on the same page as I am. Well, I, I know he's on the same page as I am. I'm trying to draw up some controversy here, folks, but there's no controversy. The controversy is, is people in the United States aren't getting this. But I truly believe that the only league that's going to start now for sure is the National Hockey League. I believe it's got to be in two Canadian hubs, all 24 teams north of the 49th parallel. And I know baseball isn't going to start. And I really now am concerned about the NBA starting. And the only reason I really wanted the NBA to start was on a purely selfish level. And that was that I wanted to see the Milwaukee Bucks win their first NBA championship since 1971. Is that selfish? Probably. But I want to see competition again, but I don't want to see competition at putting lives in danger. And I think right now, at a lot of different epicenters in the United States, you're putting athletes' lives, whether in they're in the goddamn bubbles or not, I think you're putting potential athletes' lives in danger by starting these seasons. Well, there's no doubt that the two hub cities should be Vancouver and Edmonton as far as I'm concerned. Western Canada, no riots there, low uh, you know, low case numbers, and it's just such a no-brainer. And I don't know why it's uh, perceived by some people as a bad thing that the two hubs would be located close together. If anything, that's a good thing. Absolutely. Right? I mean, if you hear when uh, Calgary and Edmonton you know, co-host the World Juniors or something. It makes a lot more sense than Calgary and Florida. Like, I mean, of course you're going to have co-hosts be close together because it only makes sense. And even for administration, you have, let's say you have Bettman and Daly wanting to go back and forth and check each one out. And of course, get tested every time you enter the bubble, obviously, right? And that's fine. Same for everyone who leaves and comes back in. And they can go back and forth a lot more easily that way. Uh, there's no other area that's good. Uh, Ontario and Quebec still aren't that great. The whole U.S. isn't that great for COVID or for the um, or for the riots or anything or whatever else is going on. So it just makes so much sense. Uh, I mean, I, I can't believe there's any controversy. Still a lot of talk about a number of American cities. Still a lot of talk about Vegas, actually, really? as, a, as a hub city. Absolutely. Right. So surprisingly, I got to say this with the close proximity to Arizona, because I've been monitoring this shit every day. The state of Nevada has really been surprisingly pretty good. Their numbers are going down, which is a positive, especially since I'm going to be spending some time there in late July and early August. But I was very surprised that the Nevada numbers are going down. But uh, they are certainly an exception to the rule right now. The numbers are preposterously bad right now in the continental United States. I mean, look at the look at the things. These are the things that I pulled off the wire this morning, folks. Listen to this. LSU, the defending national football champions. Coach Orgeron, Coach O, LSU has 30 players quarantined. 23 Clemson football players who lost to LSU back in January in the national championship game. 23 Clemson football players have been diagnosed with COVID-19. The National Football League Players Association tells players to stop group workouts amid amid the virus wave. 
Ezekiel Elliott. Who Remember when him and Dak Prescott got in trouble for having a big party when this broke out? And they said there were no more than 30 people. Well, Ezekiel Elliott has tested positive for COVID-19. We've even had a guy on the PGA Tour test positive on Friday at the RBC Heritage Classic in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Nick Watney from Fresno State University. Nick Watney tested, becomes the first PGA Tour player to contract coronavirus at the RBC Heritage Classic this weekend in Myrtle Beach. One of the guys that he was scheduled to play with, Justin Thomas, who I believe is one of the best players in the world, Justin Thomas believes that the Hilton Head area is not taking the pandemic seriously enough with beaches, bars, and restaurants filled to capacity. My God, people, again, when are you going to figure this out? Major League Baseball has closed down spring training sites for a cleaning after positive COVID-19 tests in the camps of, I remember I, I remember this, it was Toronto was one, and Dunedin, Florida, and right across the street in Clearwater, Florida, the home of the Philadelphia Phillies, they had, I think, three or four cases. So they shut down all 30 Major League Baseball spring training sites. If baseball does start up, uh, up again, the Mets and Yankees have decided to hold an abbreviated spring training in New York. They're not even going to bother going back down to Florida. They're going to stay right in the Bronx, and they're going to stay right in in Queens and work out in their respective stadiums. I think that's smart. Growing concerns over the NBA restart due to a spike in coronavirus cases in Florida. Now, supposedly it's worse in South Florida, down by Miami, than it is in Central Florida, where Orlando is located. little geography lesson for you people. But again, guys, we have got to figure something out here. We have got to... We have got to figure out that we need to take the precautionary uh, warnings that we're getting from different people, different health organizations. I know the United States isn't paying their World Health Organization dues anymore. I get it. I get it. I wonder why that is, but I get it. But please, somebody figure something out. Maybe you know. Maybe what we should do, if we're not going to listen to the sitting president of the United States, which is probably smart, maybe we should get George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Maybe you'll listen to those two guys. I don't know. We have, you know, Chris always has, and I agree with him wholeheartedly about people's adultery of people, places, and things. Sounds like a proper noun here. But maybe if we put Clooney and Pitt on a, on a uh, billboard somewhere in every major U.S. city and say, please take COVID seriously, maybe that'll, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But uh, we've got to have something happen here, folks, because I truly believe in my heart of hearts, outside of the National Hockey League, and as long as the National Hockey League stays in those two um, proposed sites in Canada, I think the National Hockey League is the only league that's going to get started on time and actually award a champion of the 2019-2020 season. Yeah, well, you know what? It's just to me, this is, and I've said this before on the show, this is why the gun problem can't be, get solved either, because America was founded by people leaving Britain and being really resentful of the British breathing down their necks and everything else like that, and like the Boston Tea Party and everything else. And to this day, there is this really strong sentiment with Americans, especially in the South, but in other places too, where you don't tell me what to do. You know, I've got my rights and I got my guns and you can, the gun, you know, the government's always over the next hill going to come take my guns. No, you're not. You have to take them from my cold dead hands and all this shit. And, it, <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's, you know, I understand you don't want either extreme. I mean, any country that goes the other way and is just completely 
submissive to their government obviously is just asking for it too like you know you can really get a lot of tyranny that way so you don't want the extremes either way but uh, you know it's going too far when you can't even stay inside when there's a uh, when there's a global pandemic the one thing I hate I want to say I hate this one thing especially I was reading about people showing up in Vegas when they opened which is fine I I watched a, a video tour of a woman walking around Vegas uh, the other day, and, you know, they've, they're trying, they've got, you know, like, leave a seat between you and anyone else at the slots, and some people are, all the workers are wearing masks, some patrons are wearing masks, some aren't, um, they've got some plexiglass between certain seats in some cases, and they're, you know, they're really trying, and that's fine, but they were interviewing people who came from other places, and some couple came from California, and they were just so excited, they were like, first ones in Vegas as soon as it's open, and I was like, okay, fine, but I hated what the guy said. The, they interviewed the guy, and he said, oh, I'd come, I was going stir-crazy. And this is the same thing that piece-of-shit John Jones said, too, when he was found, like, drinking and driving in the middle of a global pandemic. Oh, I had to get out. I was going stir-crazy. That's not an excuse. First of all, you weren't. Second of all, no one gives a shit anyway. Fucking sit in your house and help solve a global <laughs> pandemic and shut the fuck up. I'm tired. Of, oh, I'm going stir. And they think that's like this magical answer that nobody can argue. Oh, I was going stir crazy. I had to leave the house. What What can I do? I couldn't I couldn't stay there and go stir. You don't even know what stir crazy means. Can't so, spell it either. Yeah. So it's, it's, <laughs> I'm so tired of that stir crazy excuse. Fuck. It's just so annoying. And so I, I just hate that. But when you have people that just... Maybe they don't like their house very much. Maybe they don't like their home life. Maybe there's too much chaos. Maybe, maybe. It's, maybe it's friggin' messy. Maybe it's just, <laughs> you know, whatever their problem is, a lot of people are just, I guess, used to spending a lot of their life out of their house. I love spending lots of time at my house or in my area or going for walks or whatever. I can spend all the time here and it's great. So I'm just tired of these people that apparently are just always out and about and now they just can't handle changing their lifestyle because they don't like changing their habits. They don't like the government telling them what to do. They don't like anyone telling them what to do. They were maybe raised by parents that didn't ever tell them what to do for whatever reason. And they were raised uh, to think that, uh, you know, the government uh, can never tell me what to do either. So it, it's a real disaster. Part of me, and it's so horrible, part of me wishes that the disease was a little more serious so that people would take it a little more seriously. You know, it's a horrible thing to say, but these people are asking for it because, I mean, it's extremely contagious, as we are fi- as we know already, but it's not that deadly for most people is what we're finding. Uh, the mortality rate is very, very low, under 1% if we uh, really look at all cases was what it looks like, especially if you consider there are a lot of people who probably haven't bothered being tested who have it. So, it's it's just a disaster. I don't see any problem. I don't see any solution in the states where people have these attitudes other than for it to just work its way through like just, you know, in a regular flu season, the flu goes around and then eventually works its way out. And we almost have to go through that because uh, these people are not going to change the way they do things. That's This is just this is just how they are. A um, couple of news and notes that um, don't involve COVID-19 that I want to get to in this episode. Uh, Later episodes this week, we're going to try our hand at a fantasy football mock draft, which I'm looking forward to. And uh, we'll Scooby-Doo along for another episode. We probably will not get to a um, Freeform Friday episode this week because, well, they're just, people are just talking about the same thing and it's depressing. So a a couple of things though, 
And uh, I guess we got to start with the bad before the good, uh, unfortunately. I was sickened, I have to say. I am not a stock car fan. I do not know a thing about stock car racing. Um, I respect people that like it because that's their thing, you know, and uh, people probably don't like some of the things that I like, and that's fine. But uh, I was appalled when I heard yesterday and uh, read a little bit more into it today, but the FBI down in the state of Alabama, the FBI is investigating a noose left in Bubba Wallace's. He is a African-American NASCAR driver, and the FBI is investigating a noose that was left in Bubba's NASCAR stall at Talladega Super Speedway in, in Alabama. Folks, um, I was a history major. Well, no, actually, I was an English major, but I was a, a, a minor in history. I mean, again, I'm not a rocket scientist, but um, as far as I know, and please correct me if I'm wrong, the Civil War in the United States ran from 1861 to 1865. Allegedly. And eight, allegedly. And allegedly, the Emancipation Proclamation was issued in 19, eight, excuse me, 1865, freeing the slaves. So why are we sitting here in 2020 and people are leaving a noose inside an African-American's NASCAR stall at Talladega Super Speedway in Alabama? When are you people going to fucking wake up and realize that you just make yourselves look like idiots? You just, you just put a, you paint a picture for everybody to realize that there are a lot of very racist people in the United States. And I, it sickens me considering I was born and raised in the United States, not in the state of Alabama. And there are racists in Wisconsin too. Let me tell you, a lot of people don't know that there's a city South of Madison, Wisconsin called Janesville, Wisconsin, which is close to Illinois border. And there's a lot of people that have documented that the KKK started a chapter in Janesville, Wisconsin. A lot of people believe that the KKK was originated in the state of Indiana, and that may be true. But there was a chapter of the KKK that was originated in Janesville, Wisconsin back in the day. Nothing to be too proud of. But what in the hell is that? Where you leave a noose in somebody's NASCAR stall. Are you going to do that to LeBron James when and if the NBA starts? Come on, you hillbillies. Wake up. I, I, it just, that bothers me to no end, especially as an American. That bothers me to no end. You hillbillies, what, you want to bring the Civil War back? I mean... Some of them do. I, I, well, I know. I, 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 I don't know if you saw, but NASCAR banned the Confederate flag finally. Well, and I also, and I, I also believe, and this is a step in the right direction, it's probably 100 years too late, but at least the state of Mississippi now is been told by the Southeastern Conference that they will not be able to allow any more championship sporting events in their state if they continue to fly that stupid flag at their sporting events. Thank you, somebody in the SEC. I give a lot of grief to the SEC about their accumulative brain power, but somebody, somebody did the right thing finally there, that they're not going to allow championship sporting events in the state of Mississippi if they still continue to fly that Confederate flag. Again, 1861 to 1865, folks. I'm never a math major, but this is the year 2020. We shouldn't have to be talking about this anymore. Um, I thought it was funny that 
the state of Minnesota, or it's not, not the state of Minnesota. Well, obviously the state of Minnesota has been under fire lately and under siege because of what happened with our, uh, that rotten cop, Derek Chauvin, and obviously with, with George Floyd. But I thought it was, uh, a really good sign that the Minnesota twins took down a statue of their original owner, Calvin Griffith, who moved the team from Washington to Minnesota back in, I don't know when the hell it was, I think early 60s, if I'm not mistaken, maybe late 50s, early 60s, but they took the uh, statue of Calvin or Clark Griffith or Calvin Griffith. I think Clark was the son. Calvin was the father. They both had a kick at the can of, of the ownership of the Minnesota Twins, but they took the father's statue down this week, point in the right direction. But realistically is and if there are any racists in the state of minnesota and we know there are at least one for the time being hopefully Derek chauvin and his three other idiot buddies are eliminated sooner rather than later but does really taking down a statue do anything to change people's ideologies i I wonder that aloud i throw that out there for you so we, I want Chris's comments on that. I think that's just absolutely ludicrous that some fucking hillbilly decides to throw a noose in Bubba Wallace's stall. I just, I, I'm just appalled by that. I'm embarrassed by that. And if they ever catch that mother, you know what? I hope they string him up by his balls. Yeah. Well, Hagen, death penalty. Hello. Mm-hmm. I, I've been very consistent for the last forty years. Death penalty, please. Thank you. All right. You were uh, pushing the death penalty when you were zero? <laughs> when I was zero? Nice. Uh, as That's long as progressive I can, thinking, folks. I do remember mini-golfing with my parents when I was eight and saying we should withdraw from the UN, but I mean, that's, <laughs> I know I take I know I know take precocious to a, a new level, or I did when I was a kid. So <laughs> Eight years old. Yeah. Oh, you know, other kids a political are, science major is eight like, years old. Cookie. Uh, other but, kids are worried about cookies, and they're worried about Sesame Street, and Mr. Fluke here is saying that the Canada should... <laughs> get hey. out of the UN. Well, nothing, I love it. Nothing, I love it. Nothing bad about Sesame Street. I that that taught me to read when I was two. So I <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, Sesame Street all the way. But uh, no, you know what? I think getting rid of the symbolism, I think, is important now because. And again, I, I wouldn't have known a lot of this. Uh, you know how bad some of the simmering tensions were with race uh, up here, living my whole life in Western Canada. Because we never had slavery up here, and because we never had a civil war up here, we don't have these deep wounds to recover from like the Americans do. And so, uh, I mean, I'm sure you can find racism anywhere, but we just we have we never had to recover from that. Our whole country was the North, right? right. We didn't we didn't have anything else. So, uh, I mean, it's just crazy when you think about it, though. That I, you know, to me, I would think that okay, let's say you're living in the South back in the day. Uh, before the Civil War, and you've got slavery. And, you know, you think, okay, well, this is really convenient having someone to, you know, make my supper and drinks and everything. This is Mm -hmm. nice, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, but then the North kind of and Abraham Lincoln and everything kind of calls you on it. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of bullshit. We're not going to do that anymore. You would think that at that point, it's like, okay, we're assholes. You got us. Okay, let's let's fix this up. No, they went to war about it. That's unbelievable. Like, that's shocking, right? So it, it's, it's I, I can't imagine it. But anyway, And then someone shot Lincoln. Yeah, well, of course. But I, I think that, uh, I think that getting rid of these symbols must be important because I think there was probably some honest belief and has been for a long time that, yeah, you can kind of have 
these things still around and maybe you celebrate someone who did some good things, but they were from a time when they were taught by their parents, taught by their parents, and that's how things always were for hundreds of years, whatever it is, whatever excuse you want to come up with. Uh, but now it's like, no, that's not good enough anymore. And you know what I think of all the time? I think about the Dukes of Hazard. you know? There's a good old boys, do, 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 do. never meaning yeah. no harm. I still to this day fantasize about Daisy da- Daisy Duke. Daisy Duke, yeah, that's a classic. Damn, right? those shorts were fine. Uh, yeah, and uh, but you think about it, they had and and that car was so kind of. I wonder because I, I loved that car as a kid. I I almost wonder if that's where my love of orange came from. Cause really, I, well, I I don't know for sure, but yeah. I mean, I just loved. I had uh, that little car as a as a kid, and I yeah. just like, and you know they. They, they every episode they just like do some impossible yeah, jump yeah, yeah. and like right and so um but think about it the entire roof was the confederate flag and exactly. the name of the car was the general, general lee. lee of yeah. course general general uh, robert lee was the uh you know the leader of the entire south and so for in the in the military and think about how crazy that is now you it's the second line of the song never meaning no harm yeah. and and maybe they didn't mean any harm, um, and maybe maybe the people they represent, maybe people who watched that growing up as you know young boys in the South, maybe they thought like they must have something else. Like the Confederate flag to some people must mean Southern pride or Southern something. Pro- oh, absolutely, right? No it, question. It, it can't be that all of the anyone who ever had the Confederate flag is just like I'm a huge racist, right? They have to be thinking of it as Southern pride. But the problem is that's not how it's really perceived. I mean, you know, there, you'll always hear about people say that the swastika used to mean something completely different. And then the Nazis just kind of, you know, stole it. Yeah. But, and that's, and that may be the case, but at this point, even if it's kind of not fair to whoever made the swastika, well, sorry, right. now it's been usurped and taken over and now it's, it's just bad and you can't do anything about it. So, and actually, it's funny because I saw on YouTube both uh, Tom Wopat and John Schneider, who played yeah, the Dukes, yeah. they've both been, uh, you know, on YouTube, you know, speaking out about how, you know, we have to, you know, do what we have to do to get rid of racism here. And and that's great. But some people still have it as Southern Pride. Well, that's not good enough. We can't do that anymore. You want to make a Southern Pride flag? Make a brand new Southern Pride flag. Like, you know, or, and, and come up with something new because the Confederate flag literally just isn't going to fly anymore. <laughs> no question. Um, before we get out of here on this 519th bitch fest here on Unscripted with uh, myself and Chris, Chris and I, however we should properly say that, a um, couple other news items to get to, and then I do want to have, uh, I do want to congratulate somebody that actually did something that I'm quite proud to re- to talk about and report on today. The uh, PGA Golf Championship gets the green light to go ahead without fans for the August 6th through 9th tournament in at Harding Park Golf Course in San Francisco. So the PGA Championship, which will be the first major championship this year on the golf circuit on the PGA Tour, will have no fans. Um, sad about that, but again, I think that it needs to happen that way. Um, we still get to see the competition. Uh, we'll still see Brooks Kepka. We'll still see Tiger Woods. We'll still see all the guys, uh, but there will be no fans in attendance. And uh, I think that obviously is the way that uh, things are going to happen, have to happen uh, for the relative future in regard to professional sports. Also, I have been bitching about this guy for a long time, 
and will continue to do so because I just don't believe in my heart of hearts. I think this guy is a future uh, Pro Bowl quarterback. I think potentially um, with the right tutelage and uh, some of the weapons that he has to work with in Dallas, I think that Dak Prescott, after he does something and leads his team to a playoff win and more than one uh, regular season division championship, I don't think Dak Prescott should be making more than Russell Wilson right now, which, of course, he claims. And, of course, when this story started, Dak Prescott was looking for $40 million a year. And it's like, who the, what the fuck are you smoking? But Prescott did sign earlier this morning. He did sign his franchise tag, and he's going to have to take a bit of a pay cut here, folks. <laughs> his franchise tag is only worth $31.4 million for next season, and he will be able to negotiate a long-term deal with the Cowboys through up to and through July the 15th. So Dak Prescott will be in training camp whenever it does get started for the Dallas Cowboys. But I, I feel so bad for Dak because he's only going to make $31.4 million next year, unless, of course, they can come to resolution on a uh, long-term deal. Also, this other guy has been in the news, and especially now more than ever because of the George Floyd situation of what happened in Minneapolis. But the king of the rednecks, who happens to have a connectivity to Green Bay, Wisconsin, one Brett Lorenzo Favre has come out this morning and said that Kaepernick deserves a chance to return to the National Football League. Is that your contribution to social distancing, Brett? Um, I believe in my heart of hearts, because of the George Floyd situation and going back to 2016 when he first knelt down, and again, he wanted to tell anybody that would listen to him that it was about police brutality and social injustice to the African Americans, whereas other people think it's disrespectful to the military and to the flag. All I know is that I truly believe that Kaepernick will sign with somebody. I do know that Anthony Lynn, the head football coach for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, has him on a, a tryout something. He's got him on a list. He's feeling confident with Tyrod Taylor as his number one. He's feeling confident with uh, the kid from Oregon as his number two. But ultimately, if somebody gets sick, i.e. contracts coronavirus or you know, does get legitimately injured with a football-related injury, Kaepernick is on Anthony Lynn's list to come in and try out for the Los Angeles Chargers. But I believe more and more when you get guys like Brett Favre and other Hall of Famers that are going to say Kaepernick deserves a chance, Kaepernick is going to sign somewhere if it's nothing more than a mercy, high, a mercy signing. It depends on how Kaepernick uh, sees this because I could see a situation where if he signs anywhere, he'll be labeled a sellout. I, absolutely. No right? question. So, but then I was thinking the other way, they could try to spin it as by him signing, that would justify all the time he's taken off and say, see, I was blackballed. And then there's this ridiculous assumption that, oh, see, I, I was good enough to play in the league all these years. And again, this is not our, this has nothing to do with race or politics or anything else. If we look at this as a pure football thing, he got benched for Blaine Gabbert, who was also a bust. Yeah. Right? He tried out for the Seahawks and got beat out by Austin Davis. <laughs> where Kaepernick, even if you have those guys even remotely even, they should have taken Kaepernick because Kaepernick is a more appropriate backup for Russell Wilson. He would suit their system a lot better than Austin Davis, who's a statue. Right. And so these are the football facts. 
And I don't think that Colin Kaepernick has been good enough the last few years. I don't think he's wanted to play the last few years. And now to come back after a bunch of years off, now you're in your 30s, haven't played since you were in your 20s. And it's a guy who doesn't think he should have to watch game film as a quarterback. It's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, if it's going to uh, help some young black kid think that he can do it. But I mean, I'm sorry, there are lots of great black players in the NFL and in sports and uh, I'm sure some of them are excellent role models. The reigning yep. man of the year, Clayus Campbell, he's black. Yep. You know, great role model. Actually, man of the year is often black, really. Um, you think about uh, Thomas Davis. A lot of these guys are great role models. And I don't I don't think there's any black kids looking at the NFL thinking, I don't think I can do it. There's not enough black people in the NFL. Like, that's not... Nobody's saying that, right? So, exactly. I mean, I look, if Kaepernick is somehow good enough, then yeah, he should get a job. Sure. Every everybody like nobody. And again, there's so much money in the NFL. I have such a hard time believing that Kaepernick or anyone else is truly blackballed. I mean, if there's a great player who's a pedophile or something, then I mean, yes. Or Ray Rice was probably good enough to play still. But then he uppercutted his wife in an elevator and knocked her out on film right in the middle of the Me Too thing. OK, well, then that's fine. So guys like that are being uh, you know they're just they're being uh, persona non grata right and and uh, that's going to happen i am not convinced of that with kaepernick and even if he was good enough years ago when this whole thing started it's still it's very unlikely that any human him or someone else in his situation could take a few years off and then come back in their 30s and be good especially a guy who doesn't study game film and especially someone who relies on their athletic genetics as a, more of a scrambling quarterback not that he can't throw the ball he can but i just it's so unlikely that he would be good enough now even if he was good enough before and he wasn't so i mean if if anything, he if he gets a job, like you said, it would be a mercy hiring where he may not be good enough, but he might get the job as like a symbolic gesture or something. There you go. You mm-hmm. know, maybe someone brings him on as a third string or something. I, I mean, I guess there's lots of teams that have no great backup quarterback, so maybe he would be good enough for that just with raw scrambling ability, maybe. I don't know, but it's just... It would make a great story if he's just great and he's been great the whole time and he's still great and he could come in and help a team and he's just been held down the whole time if that's all true great that's a great story and then i hope he gets to come back but there is a mountain of evidence that says that is just a fantasy and not based in reality absolutely um i do want to send congratulations and this actually um touched touched my uh black heart when i saw it on sunday evening um i've never been a huge fan of this guy but i i am totally a fan now of this individual and i'm talking about kevin love the uh, forward uh, originally out of ucla went to the minnesota timberwolves and then was traded to the cleveland cavaliers years ago when lebron reappeared on the sports scene in cleveland and was part of the 2016 nba champion cavaliers but Kevin Love has had an unbelievably difficult last couple of years. First of all, he's playing on a shitty Cleveland team. But all joking aside, Kevin Love won the Arthur Ashe Courage Award on Sunday night at the ESPN or at the ESPYs for ESPN. Kevin Love wins the Arthur Ashe Courage Award for his crusade against mental illness. And um, I am very proud uh, that and, and honored that they 
they gave this and bestowed this honor on Kevin Love. There was a detailed story last night on the ESPYs about all the trials and tribulations that Love has been through and how with his uh, fame and with his name, he has been able to help a lot of other people that have some of the same mental illnesses and the same mental illness issues that Kevin Love has suffered through the last number of years. And thankfully now Kevin Love is on the right mix of proper medications that he's got it in check. He's got it handled. But, um, you know, through all of the crap and all the bullshit that's going on in the not so wonderful, wonderful world of and wacky world of sports these days, um, it's very good that we had something to get excited about. We had something to be a part of something that we were happy to see and some good news. And, uh, I have kind of become a closet Kevin Love fan because of what he's gone through and what he has meant to other people that don't have the status or they don't have the platform like a Kevin Love does or an NBA player, a professional athlete in general. But I am, uh, again, a, a, am becoming a, a closet Kevin Love fan because of what he has done. He realized he had a mistake, or not a mistake, had a problem, went out and rectified that problem, and now he's trying to share some of his solutions to his problems with people that obviously, again, don't have the vehicle, they don't have the voice, they don't have the the uh, stage, if you will, to help people like a Kevin Love. And I thought it was really a great way to end the virtual ESPYs last night by having Kevin Love win the Arthur Ashe Courage Award. And think about some of the guys that have won the Courage Award. Muhammad Ali won it back in the whenever uh i mean obviously the espies i don't know how long the espies have been around but it's about when muhammad ali sacrificed four five six years of his prime uh boxing career time in the late 60s when he boycotted the vietnam vietnam draft um bill russell was a winner of the arthur ash courage award uh billy jean king uh the famous woman tennis player is a former recipient of the Arthur Ashe Courage Award and all these people that I've just mentioned. And it's those are just the ones that come to my head. But again, we should be congratulating these people for the difference that they've made outside of their chosen sporting venue. And uh, again, I'm, I'm very proud and I'm very happy that I was watching this part of the ESPYs last night and learned a little bit about Kevin Love and what he's been going through. And I do need to apologize to the Love family for some probably some comments that I made over the years because I thought that he was soft or I thought he was this or I thought he was that, but I didn't have a clue in regard to some of the mental illness issues that he was going through. So I apologize to Kevin Love. I apologize to Kevin Love's family if I said anything, and I probably did, that I really didn't mean and I was trying to be flippant and trying to be cute, and um, that's what talk show hosts do. And that doesn't make it right, but I am offering my formal apology for any silly, stupid, half-assed remark that I would have made on uh, on the behalf of Kevin Love because I really didn't understand what he was going through. I do now, and uh, I think he's a very deserving recipient of a very prestigious award, which again is the Arthur Ashe Courage Award, which he won last night on the virtual ESPYs. It's amazing how fast society is transforming. I mean, you think about 
You thought the 60s were crazy. I mean, imagine if they had Twitter in the 60s. And... Oh, my God. Kennedy would have been shot. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy, though. I mean, just in the last few years, even in the last five years, certainly in the last decade easily, I mean, how much things have changed with, um, you know, the Me Too movement and sexual harassment of women and um, and even racism that I thought we were kind of past and and all this stuff. Uh, TSN is reporting that today before Monday's race at the Talladega Super Speedway, NASCAR drivers marched behind Bubba Wallace in solidarity and support. So that was nice. And it's just unbelievable how fast things are changing. I mean, it's... And I, I think we were, you know, we were always going to get there eventually, but people are kind of running out of patience now. And it's like, oh, no, okay, forget the stigmas around mental health or, uh, you know, being relaxed on racism or whatever else. And let's just say fuck it all and let's just catapult forward a hundred years all in the span of a few years and it's amazing how fast things are happening uh, i mean i was watching uh, they showed a clip of jimmy kimmel from like 2009 when he was still at the same show he does now but i mean he was a lot more uh, sort of flirty with the uh with the the female guests and stuff than he is now and it was just it just seemed different i mean i and my wife and I just watched the Jeffrey Epstein documentary. We we watched the first episode of the R. Kelly one and, you know, all this stuff with how there's been sort of this, some, I don't know if about acceptance is the word, but there's awareness that, you know, there was pedophilia in certain circles or sexual harassment or whatever. And it's amazing how fast we are catapulting forward here. So, I mean, if the way we're going in a few years, like by 2025, 2010 might be unrecognizable. Right. I mean, right. if you went back and just Great watched something, yeah. right? I mean, you think about, I remember watching a few years ago, I saw an old Looney Tunes cartoon from, you know, the 50s or 60s or like a long time ago. And Foghorn Leghorn, my least favorite character in the history of Earth. Yeah, I, I, oh, oh. Anyway, um, some alleged villain, even though I think he was the bad guy, forces him into a, a swimming pool. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see the animal whatever was forcing foghorn leghorn that big stupid chicken uh bleep bleep what did that, that yeah the i say, I say yeah, this i say i say i say yeah. that 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 ugh, I, oh I, he makes me so angry for some reason anyway all of a sudden the animal that forced him in the big rooster into the pool starts backing out and, and foghorn leghorn comes out and he's got a gun to his head it's like you would not see that now <laughs> right like holy crap it's just unbelievable. And uh, I mean, I could give you examples of kids in the hall in the 90s, even like sketches that they <laughs> that can you imagine with now. Can you imagine during the years, in, you know, and I'm a huge Frank Sinatra fan. Can you imagine what it would have been like and the stories that would have been out on Twitter and social media when the Rat Pack was running Vegas? Sure. However, oh my God, could that have been something? That would have been unbelievable, interesting reading. However, I mean, Frank Sinatra, in in defense of him, and I'm, I mean, he was a womanizer and whatever oh, else, sure and a big, big drinker and everything yep. else, and partied and all that. But uh, at least he refused to play places that didn't allow uh, black people uh, to well, perform because of Sammy. He was such a good friend of Sammy Davis and Jr. Great point. And think about this: the only reason that Sammy Davis Jr. was allowed to participate back in the Rat Pack days at the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas was because of Francis uh, Sinatra. So um, it's just, it, it, I want to get to an episode again where we can just talk about sports. 
Um, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, Chris is going to help me get through this today. We're going to try to do a, a mock draft, a, a fantasy football uh, mock draft today so we don't have to continue talking about this stuff. Um, I also, before we get out of here, um, this has got to be a tough day. And it was a very tough day for me yesterday, to be honest with you. It was my first uh, Father's Day without my father. But um, it's really got to be a tough day for people like Justin Simpson when you're trying to wish your father a happy Father's Day. Because, of course, Justin Simpson's father is OJ. Um, I don't oh. think you'd ever be too happy about knowing that. But I do want to send out uh, belated happy Father's Day wishes to Chris's father and anybody else out there in Unscripted. Uh, Greg and Ryan and all your dads, uh, obviously, very. Uh, I want to wish all of your fathers a very belated happy Father's Day. Yesterday was very difficult for me because it was the first time in 55 years that my dad was not around for Father's Day. So it was harder than I thought it was going to be, and uh, we made it. But uh, again, uh, happy a belated happy Father's Day out there for all of our listeners uh, to the show here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. I want to start talking about something a little less uh, dark and a little less stupid and a little less, I don't know, whatever. So I'm going to put a wrap on this 519th episode of Unscripted. Um, a lot of people to thank. Uh, also, I just want to make quick mention that I hope that uh, on the 18 different uh, social media and 18 just in general, the 18 different platforms that Chris has found for you folks to listen to Unscripted, I hope that you're pleased uh, taking a few minutes to hit the subscribe button. Again, as I always like to say on Spotify, it's not subscribe, it's follow. But um, I don't know what the numbers have been lately. Um, Chris hasn't told me that they've slipped, so I think that's a positive. But uh, just again, a little subtle reminder that the best way that you can help us here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris is taking a couple of minutes and pushing a subscribe or a follow button to Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We will be eternally grateful that you take that time to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.